This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee. It's been less than a week since the election, but state lawmakers are already looking ahead to the next one. More than two dozen of them have already opened campaign accounts to run for the state Senate and state House seats in 2022. The folks who run state government are trying to figure out what happens now that Florida backed the wrong horse in the presidential race and they won't have a direct line to the Oval Office anymore. But President-elect Joe Biden says that won't really matter. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify. Who doesn't see red states and blue states, only sees the United States. Biden won't take over for two more months, but he's already getting to work. He'll be announcing his own coronavirus team today that will draft a new plan to combat the COVID crisis. And maybe that's just in time. Florida appears to be entering what could be described as a third wave of the disease as the number of new cases and positivity rates continue to climb. The health department reported 6,820 new cases on Sunday. That's the most in almost three months. And remember, the Sunday numbers are always low. The only Democrat holding statewide office is accused of selling out to Big Sugar. Orlando attorney John Morgan was the driving force behind the constitutional amendment to increase Florida's minimum wage. And he says Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed let him down. She was on the fence about the minimum wage. If you're a Democrat in America and you're on the fence about a living wage, you need to join the other party. Morgan says Freed was a friend. He was a big supporter, but not anymore. Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear about the Okoe Massacre, where a white mob went on a rampage when a black man tried to vote in the presidential election of 1920. A mob of 100 people began shooting into his home where he was present with his wife and children. He returned fire and a number of members of the mob, at least two, were killed. No one knows how many people were killed during the Okoe massacre, but the legislature has issued a formal apology, and it's going to be taught in Florida public schools. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who picked the wrong place to rub one out. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, November 9th. This is World Freedom Day, a federal observance marking the fall of the Berlin Wall. It commemorates the end of communism in Eastern and Central Europe. And it was on this date in 1938 that the Nazis carried out Kristallnacht, or the Night of Broken Glass. Thousands of Jewish businesses were trashed and looted, 1,200 synagogues were burned, 97 German Jews were killed, 30,000 were sent to concentration camps. There's a new political reality here in Tallahassee now that the Republicans who control state government are losing their connection at the White House. The governor could always count on Donald Trump when he needed help with a natural disaster, and Florida was at the front of the line when Washington doled out supplies or money to deal with COVID-19. Those days of a cozy relationship with the president are about to come to an end, but Joe Biden has said all along that he is not going to play favorites or deny aid to states that went for Trump, and he repeated that pledge Saturday in his first speech as president-elect. We're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, and tomorrow, bring a better day. And I'm humbled by the trust and confidence you placed in me. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but unify, who doesn't see red states and blue states, only sees the United States. I work with all my heart, with the confidence of the whole people, to win the confidence of all of you. 
For that is what America, I believe, is about. It's about people. And that's what our administration will be all about. I sought this office to restore the soul of America, to rebuild the backbone of this nation, the middle class, and to make America respected around the world again. And to unite us here at home. It's the honor of my lifetime that so many millions of Americans have voted for that vision. And now, the work of making that vision is real. It's a task, the task of our time. Now, Jim Carrey plays Biden on Saturday Night Live, and the writers decided to have fun with this red state, blue state thing. And of course, it was at Florida's expense. I'm going to be a president for all Americans. That's right. Whether you're from a liberal state like California, or a conservative state like Oklahoma, or a cracked out hot mess like Florida, <laughs> I will be your president. Okay, I'll be the first to admit there are times when Florida behaves like a cracked out hot mess, but we've got a lot better at tabulating the vote. States that don't allow mail-in ballots to be counted until election day might want to take note of the fact that we already counted 9 million votes before the polls opened on election day. That, however, is not going to stop the Florida jokes. Florida Republicans may not have any decent connections to the incoming administration, but State Representative Geraldine Thompson does. She and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris are sisters in the same sorority. How elated I am uh, that we now have uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, coming into the leadership in the White House. And it's a historic day. Uh, obviously, Kamala Harris is the first African-American woman to be on a major ticket and who will provide leadership uh, in the role of vice president. I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. And as you can see from the sign behind me, I am a big supporter of Biden-Harris. Uh, Kamala Harris is my sorority sister. She was inducted at Howard um, University when she was there in undergraduate school. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. Florida Democrats may be happy with the outcome of the presidential race, but they took a beating in the down-ballot races and are already fighting among themselves. Orlando attorney John Morgan has raised lots of money for Democrats in Florida, but he says the state party is pretty much useless. The Florida Democratic Party is a joke. There, there is no apparatus. I mean, the Joe Gruders and the Republican Party run circles around the Florida Democratic Party. Heads may be rolling soon at the party headquarters in Tallahassee, which is something they seem to go through after each election, win or lose. But Morgan is far more disappointed by Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, the only Democrat holding statewide office in Florida. Morgan was a big supporter when she ran two years ago, but he believes Freed has sold out to the powerful sugar industry. Now, Nikki Freed is somebody that I supported in a very big way and was friends with. And a few weeks ago, I read an article where she's on the fence these are the words. She was on the fence of, about the minimum wage. If you're a Democrat in America and you're on the fence about a living wage, you need to join the other party. Now, what I understand is, you know, she's very beholden to sugar and big sugar was against this. And that's why she's remained against us. At the very last minute, she had a very weak, tepid response about, oh, I support, oh, I'm, I'm, 
I'm for it. That bullshit, that doesn't work with me. To me, Nikki Freed has disqualified herself from any future with statewide office in the, in the Democratic Party. And I'm sorry to say that because I really thought she had a bright future. She can go work for sugar. It's been less than a week since the election, but more than two dozen Florida lawmakers have already filed some of the paperwork to run for re-election two years from now. That list includes 14 senators, Republicans George Gaynor, Keith Perry, Dennis Baxley, Tom Wright, Ed Hooper, Danny Burgess, Ben Albritton, Kathleen Pasadomo, and Manny Diaz Jr. There are also Democrats Janet Cruz, Bobby Powell, Lauren Book, Jason Pizzo, and Annette Tadeo. Opening a campaign account is the first formal step in running. It allows the candidates to raise money for their races. Throughout the COVID crisis, the daily number of casualties reported over the weekend has always been lower than the rest of the week. Well, almost always. On Sunday, the health department reported more than 6,800 new cases. That's one of the highest figures in months. The total number of infections is now 844,000. The death toll has reached 17,333. Over the past week, we have averaged 5,200 new cases, 155 new hospitalizations, and 48 additional fatalities every day. Florida is third in the nation in the total number of positive COVID-19 cases. Texas is first, California second. Now, among the Florida politicians who are now dealing with the coronavirus are Representative Geraldine Thompson and Congressman Matt Gates. You may remember Gates as the guy who mocked the pandemic back in March when he wore a gas mask on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, Florida comes to grips with another shameful chapter in its racial history, the Okoe Massacre. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. 100 years ago, a prosperous black businessman in central Florida by the name of Julius Perry tried to vote in the presidential election. It was the start of what is now known simply as the Okoe Massacre. State Representative Geraldine Thompson of Windermere spent years trying to spread the word about something that had been covered up or simply ignored by the powers that be. In 1920, two African-American men uh, went to the polls to vote and were turned away and told that they had not paid their poll taxes. Uh, they left and uh, a mob followed them to the home of July Perry, Julius July Perry, who lived in the Okoe colored quarters. And about a mob of 100 people began shooting into his home where he was present with his wife and children. He returned fire and a number of members of the mob, at least two, were killed. He was wounded and left the home to hide in a cane field nearby. His dog followed him, which led the mob to him and they brought him into Orlando, put him in the Orange County Jail. He was taken from his cell and hung. He was hung near the home of Judge John Cheney. Judge Cheney was a candidate in 1920 for the United States Senate, and he was getting African-Americans registered to vote as Republicans. And at that time, many African-Americans, uh, if not most, were Republicans loyal to the party of Lincoln. 
So they hung him near Judge Cheney's home and used his body for practice, for target practice, and left the body displayed there for days. And when it was cut down, it was taken to the Greenwood Cemetery in Orlando. He was buried in an unmarked pauper's grave. He had been a successful businessman who contracted laborers to come and harvest the fruit in Orange County. And uh, to be buried in a pauper's grave was such a, a disservice and a dishonor. And more than 20 years ago, I uh, went to the Greenwood Cemetery with a group called the Reconciliation Task Force uh, to put a headstone on the grave of July Perry. And since that time, I've been working to make sure that he was recognized and honored in the fashion that he should, uh, should be because he understood, as you and I understand, that as Americans, we get to choose our leaders. We get to vote and to say uh, who we want to have leading us and who we believe is going to be sympathetic to our conditions, our issues, and our concern. And that's what July Perry was trying to accomplish in 1920. So July uh, Perry sacrificed lost his life, his property, all of the buildings in the Okoe colored quarters were set on fire. Two churches, a school, a lodge. He was a member of the Masonic uh, order. And today they gave him the last rites, which he had not gotten before. And that ceremony was held at his gravesite at the Greenwood Cemetery. And the road designation and the unveiling of the marker was held on State Road 438. No one really knows how many people were killed during the massacre. The official records say six, but the families of survivors say dozens of blacks were killed, and it was covered up by state and local officials, and by the Floridians who stole the land in Okoe after the owners fled for their lives. Your calendar of events includes something only a budget wonk would enjoy. That's the Revenue Estimating Conference meeting at 9.30. They'll discuss the financial outlook for the Education Enhancement Trust Fund, the State Schools Trust Fund, the Tobacco Settlement Trust Fund, and General Revenue. The Nominating Commission for the 5th District Court of Appeal meets at 9 to start two days of interviewing candidates. They'll be replacing Judge Jamie Grosshands, who was appointed to the Florida Supreme Court back in September. The Florida Board of Occupational Therapy Practice meets by conference call at 9. The State Domestic Security Oversight Council meets at 10. The Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council meets at 10. The Hillsborough Community College Board of Trustees will hold an online workshop at 10.30. Washington Post columnist Eugene Robinson speaks during an online meeting of the Forum Club of the Palm Beaches. That's at noon. Florida Department of Environmental Protection Secretary Noah Valenstein and Florida Recycling Partnership Chair Don McCormick take part in a 2 p.m. webinar to help kick off Florida Recycles Week. And the Chancellor of the State Division of Career and Adult Education and the President of Duke Energy Florida take part in an online forum at 3 to push career pathways in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Finally today, a Florida man accused of masturbating in public turns himself in after spotting his picture in the local newspaper. 59-year-old James Yagles of Sarasota admits he dropped his pants and began whacking it behind the Oakland Hills Professional Center. He told Sumter County deputies he chose that spot because it was private. What he did not know is that there was a ring camera on the back door. It sent an alert to the woman who was renting the space. When she logged in, she saw the guy masturbating in real time. When he turned himself in at the sheriff's office, Eagles brought along his 90-year-old mother, telling deputies he is the sole caregiver. He was released after posting a $1,000 bond. 
That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Thank you.